Ephesians in chapter 6. Join with me, if you would, in verse 10. Read verse 10. Ready, begin. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's read verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let us pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Use it to help us and guide us in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would remove the thoughts of the enemy from our mind, that you might gird about our minds with truth, and that we might allow the truth of your word to transform our lives. And we thank you for what you are doing in our hearts, and we give you the glory for what you will do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. tell you this week, um, it was a privilege to even meet a pastor that I hadn't seen in about seven years. He flew in all the way from Colorado. He finished his Wednesday night church service preaching in Colorado, hopped on a red-eye flight, flew all the way, arrived at 5.30 in the morning, and came and preached to us at 11, okay? I mean, the guy was moving, okay? And uh, he came in, and they, uh, just sharing what God had put on his heart. And it encouraged me and helped me and my wife. It was a blessing. But he shared a story about his life. You know, you think something. He said, I grew up in a pastor's home. And you're like, okay, he just grew up in a perfect home, right? But he told about how his mother never met her father. And how his mother and father were on the brink of divorce. He was a child at the time. Or, you know, he was, he, he was not yet born yet. But he was, he was in his mother's womb, I believe, at that time. But they were on the brink of divorce, and a co-worker from the Chevrolet dealership invited dad to church. He was witnessing to his, his father, and that's how his father got saved. The co-worker was in the car, literally witnessing to the father, and the mother walked up. They were going through a divorce. The mother walked up at that time. And he said, would you, ma'am, would you like to know how to be saved? And she had just lost a baby. He led those two people to Christ. A soul winner. A church member at a church. A man who was just faithfully working in his job. And, of course, the husband and wife stayed together. They went, trained for the ministry, went and pastored a church and God did amazing things. Then he shared how he was an eight-year-old child. His dad had done all this process. They had built this country church. They had just finished the building. $400,000 building, I believe. And somebody came in that night, right before the church service, and vandalized the entire building, causing over $300,000 worth of damage. His office was de desecrated. I mean, the whole place was a disaster. And how his father had walked in there and he saw his father. He had never seen his father weep like that. But then how God raised him up from that. And you know, just hearing. And then he went into the ministry after seeing all his dad went through. He went in the ministry, amen. And uh, just seeing that and hearing that. You know, God uses broken people. God uses hurting people to accomplish his will. And aren't you thankful for those God has used to help you? And uh, I'm thankful for those God has used to help me. And it was just encouraging this week hearing from men who fought spiritual battles and stayed in the fight, uh, didn't let a little offense get them out. Spiritual warfare. The most valuable protection we have is the protection of God. I'll say that again this morning. The most valuable protection we have is the protection of God. It's not our military. 
It's not just the church. You say, you know what, I just want the church uh, to pray for me. Yes, the church family will pray, but the power of God is what we need, and it's why we pray. And often we just feel better because somebody's praying, my friend, but we need God. We need God. And uh, Jesus says, you have not because you ask not, you receive not because you ask amiss. But as many as received him, them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Son of God. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And this is the condemnation, that light hath come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of flesh... And lust of the, the flesh is not of God. These things are of the world. In our own strength, we cannot stand against the sneaky tricks of the devil. And this passage shows us the promise of God, the hope to every believer, if we'll put the armor on. If we'll put the armor on. Last week, we looked at the armor of God, and we saw uh, this armor of God and how it comes into our life. We need the armor of God. The charges given in the passage, at the beginning of the passage, are to build a strong relationship with God. He says that we are to have the whole armor of God in verse 11. And then in verse, three, in verse, 11, uh, verse 18 again, he says, put on the whole armor of God. The challenge is given twice in the passage to put on the armor of God. The challenge is given once to be strong in the Lord in verse 10. So there is this relationship... This relationship with God, and he charges us to be strong in the Lord. And this morning, we need to be strong in God, because you know what? The devil is alive and well and wants to destroy. But I thank God greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We looked at this week, unresolved anger invites demonic oppression. You ever met somebody? Maybe they were, you say they were on fire for God, they were doing great. You say, what happened? Unresolved anger invites demonic oppression. It doesn't help us being angry, but it doesn't help fix it, okay? So unresolved anger invites demonic oppression. Under the conflict, there's a dark root. Last week, we looked at some of these dark roots. Fear, unbelief. The armor of God deals with all of these, laziness, pride, and our past. Look, you might have failed before, but put on the whole armor of God and get up again. You might have failed because we fail sometimes because of our pride. We fail sometimes because we just... Walking with God, we fail also sometimes because of unbelief or fear, and we allow that to dominate in our lives. And we looked at the armor of God last week, and we looked at first the protection of truth. The protection of truth. Putting on the whole armor of God is much more than just praying on each piece. It, is, it works when our life is in perfect harmony with the captain of our salvation, who is Jesus Christ. Spiritual protection is the result of walking in the presence of God. It flows into the heart and life of one that is fully yielded and longing after God. It was just such a joy being around so many young people this week. And one of the dads who was a pastor, assistant pastor to church down in actually Pennsylvania, and my, my brother-in-law's go to his church, and uh, I got to strike up a conversation with him. And the pastor was there with his, I think he had five or six daughters. They were all single. And he said, I said, you know, he was talking about things. And he said, brother, he said, you know what? He said, it's hard for my daughters because it's hard for them to find a young man that's walking with God. There's more young ladies walking with God than there are young men. And he said, every time they come to a big meeting like this, they're excited, following God. But you know what? They see a lot of young ladies around, but they don't see very many young men on fire for God. And it bothers them because they want to marry right 
They want to lead a family right. They want to do the will of God. And they're bothered by the fact there's not very many young men that want to follow God. Aren't you thankful for young men who want to follow God? We want to have young men and young ladies who read the word of God, love God, and love God's people. And my friend, that'll make a difference. The spirit-filled Christian's battle is not with people, but with the devil and his spiritual powers. May I remind you this morning, Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, what? But Peter was one of the apostles. He preached and 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. Yes, but he didn't have the protection of truth on right then. He was listening to the wrong voice. He was listening to the devil. And Jesus had to say to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And my friend, we're not. All because we're close to the master doesn't mean we're listening to truth. All because somebody's in church doesn't mean they're listening to truth, okay? So the protection of truth. As believers, we're commanded to be strong in the Lord. And look, if you weren't able to hear last week's message, I encourage you to listen in and to watch last week's message. The, the microphone did die out last week, partway through the message, but we fixed that, okay? The batteries, they were on strike last week, okay? But thank God they're working today, all right? I thank God for the protection of truth. Truth does not change by the weather. Truth is not changed by our emotions. It's not changed by our feelings. It is completely non-dependent. You know, the last night of the meeting, we were there, and uh, they, they, they said the kids were going to sing. Now, the preacher went really long. How many of y'all like it when the preacher goes long? Nobody says amen. Okay. And uh, the preacher went long, and then another preacher went long, and it was 1030. And then they got done. And then he said, we have a choir that's going to come in and sing. The children are going to come in. Come on, it was 1030, 1045. Kids walked in, 100 kids on the platform. And sang for us. I don't even know how those kids were awake after all that week, okay? They were there and they were alert. And they looked over at my wife and I said, this is, this is probably the only time we see 100 kids singing the praises of God at 11 p.m. at night. But you know, they were singing about the truth. It was encouraging. It was refreshing. My friend, the truth never changes. And it's because of that truth. It's because that Jesus never changes. That's why we proclaim it. And that's why many have given their lives to invest in it. They've invested their time into the kingdom of God. By the way, that's an investment that will pay off in eternity because the souls will be impacted because you walked in the truth and led others to the truth. The protection of truth. I want you to ask yourself the question before you make an assumption or decision about anything in regarding the house of God or other people that are Christians. Would you ask yourself a question, is it true? Is it true? Truth never changes. Because Jesus never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Doesn't mean that practices might not change. We'll change practices. Things like that do change over time. But truth does not change. Truth is unchangeable because it's God's truth. All truth is God's truth. Secondly, the protection of righteousness. The protection of righteousness. Over time, we read this in verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Truth holds us together. You know, it might look cool on the streets of New York City. It might look cool out in different places like Chicago where the young men run around and they think it's cool to go without a belt. They're not sure if their pants are going to stay up or stay down. But my friend, if you're going to battle as a soldier, that doesn't work. 
The soldier has to have a belt on. He has to have the right size. He has to have it tight. He has to have it fitted. Why? Because when he's in battle and he's ready to take aim, the last thing he needs to have happening is his armor to fall down. The last thing he needs to have happening is have to drag his clothes along with him. The protection of righteousness. You know why many men and women, we fall into things we shouldn't? Why? The protection of righteousness isn't there. We become comfortable with white lies. Oh, it was just a little lie. And look, a Christian who used to be all in and sold out, how do they get to a place of casual Christianity? One casual choice at a time. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it doesn't really matter. And slowly we began to make excuses for ourselves. Everybody is, what do we say? Doing it. Everybody else is doing it. And look, our culture, the problem that our culture is facing and our young people is facing is not legalism in the churches. No, our churches are filled with carnality. The problem they face is that they go home and they don't know what righteousness is. They don't know what righteousness is. They go to church. They don't know what righteousness is. They're not sure what truth is, and they're not sure what righteousness is. And my friend, we read the Old Testament. You see it all through it. And you read the life of Jesus Christ. You see it all, th all through it. And when the saved begin to live with no change, they're no longer valiant soldiers, and their message has no power because it's not fueled by righteous living. You want to help me this week? Hearing a pastor say, the one who led that conference... Something God's convicted him about and he started doing. Every day he's going to witness to one person. Even if it's the gas station attendant. He's going to ask them, do you know for sure you're going to heaven or not? By the way, that's the question that some in this room got asked and that's how they got saved. Don't you assume somebody's saved all because they just come to church? Don't you assume somebody's saved all because they know the answers, my friend? The protection of righteousness. We need the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ girt about our life. You say, um, is it true? Is it right? Is it right? Well, other people are doing it. <gasps> he's just a fanatic. That pastor's mean. That's why he said that. Isn't it amazing how people attack the truth, but then they come running to the same source for help when they need help? My friend, don't run from righteousness. If it stings, it probably helps, okay? Um, my daughters hate getting cuts. They hate when they have a little scratch. You put a little bit of peroxide on there, they even see the peroxide bottle come out. They see the, the rubbing alcohol bottle come out, and they are screaming bloody murder Because it stings. If you go and get your life straightened around, if I'm going to get my life straightened around, I got news for you. It's going to sting. But what we got comfortable with is saying, well, I want to change without it stinging. doesn't work that way. It stings. I heard some preaching this week. It helped me. It stinged. Okay? It stung. All right? Uh, there was a, a bee sting. Okay? I'm going to make a joke, but I, I won't make a joke. I was reading all the young men's papers this morning. I was going to make a joke. I better not. I won't make a joke. Will I, young man? All right. The preparation of the gospel, okay? The preparation of the gospel. Last week we looked at this. Look in verse 15. He says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's certain footwear that you wear when you go to the beach. Flip-flops. Okay? Normally don't wear dress shoes to the beach. There's certain footwear you wear when you go hiking. All right? 
unless you're Amish, you normally don't go hiking barefoot. Okay? Now, they go out in the fields and do all their farming barefoot. I don't know how they do it, but that's what they do. I learned that just a few weeks ago. I thought that was pretty cool, but okay, it's not me. I like wearing boots. I like wearing good sneakers when I'm out in the thorn bushes, okay? But there's different footwear for different places. In the same way, if we're going to be prepared to take the good news to people, get the right shoes on. Get the right shoes on. When they look down at our feet, there ought to be a difference. There ought to be a speed about us. There ought to, my friend, it used to bother me as a young person. I would sit in church as a little kid. And I'd say, why is, why is the pastor preaching so slow and talking so slow like he doesn't mean it? It bothered me, okay? Why is there no energy? Why is there no excitement? Why is there no exuberance? Why is there no joy? Because when the, the, when the Spirit of God comes in us, there ought to be a change. There ought to be some excitement. Look, our personalities are different, but there ought to be some energy coming out of that because the Spirit of God brings energy. He brings life. And uh, it used to bother me as a little kid. And I'd watch my dad fall asleep in church, and I can't blame him, okay? I can't blame him. And you know what? I don't want that to happen, okay? Now, sometimes, some of you all fall asleep sometimes when I preach, okay? I don't know what's the problem, okay? Uh, I guess I need to uh, pray about that. And uh, we're going to have one of those people like the old-timey churches. Y'all been working too late, right? And uh, like the old-timey churches, they walked around, and they had a little pole. And on the end, it had a uh, thing to bonk somebody on the head. And the other end, it had a little feather, and they'd go around and wake people up during church because the farmers, they've been tired, you know. And so they go around and wake them up during church. And so, Kamari, that's your job next week. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody's asleep today. I'm just joking. But um, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Look, you get prepared to go tell others about Jesus because you're excited about it. As a Christian, you and I must live in such a way that we're ready to share the gospel at any moment. It, that pastor that I met this week that I saw again... The reason his daddy and mommy didn't get a divorce was because somebody loved them enough to tell daddy about Jesus at the Chevrolet dealership while he was working. And you know what? Daddy was pretty stubborn because the story goes actually that that dad, he saw the Christian man coming and he actually went like this, okay? And the man came and gave him a track. He actually ripped the tract up. Have you ever had a tract ripped up in front of you? Okay, I've had it happen like once. But look, you say, well, then what did he do? The soul winner kept going back and giving the man, he said, hey, could I tell you about Jesus today? He knew he was going through a lot of trouble. And when he knew that his child had died, that's when he went and the man was open. My friend, look, God's going to open people's hearts. Let's not give up, Okay. Be not weary in well-doing. On our door when we got to the hotel, a young lady from that church had painted a picture and put it up on the door. They did that for all the pastors, different youth in the church. They don't even know us. I have no idea who wrote the note. We wrote them a thank you note, but I don't even know who it was. This young lady painted a picture for us. The fields widened to harvest, clouds, said, Welcome Shed Family to the Summit 2022. Galatians 6, 9. She didn't know that. That's our verse that got us through last year. Galatians 6, 9, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. She said, this is the verse God gave me when I was praying for you. Don't you think that meant something to us? The preparation of the gospel of peace. Don't give up because you're tired. Um, every Christian is on the, uh, Christian's job is to win the lost. The purpose of the church is the Great Commission. The preparation of the gospel. If the only thing you do is tell your child about the gospel and they get saved this year, you have done a great thing. If the only thing that happens is your neighbor trusts Christ, 
That is a great accomplishment. You say, I got one saved. No, I don't get people saved. God gets them saved. I just lead them to the bread of life, okay? Um, I don't get people saved. God gets them saved. Because, look, if they're my converts, then, I get to, then, then, then it's my responsibility, okay? You realize God's the one that keeps them, okay? They're not kept by me. They're kept by the power of God. So don't, they're not your converts. They're not my converts. They're God's converts, okay? And the more the saved live a spirit-filled life, the stronger we will be and the stronger the Christian army will be. Part of being a good soldier is recruiting new soldiers, Part of being a good employee is not speaking ill of the boss. Don't speak ill of the Lord. And don't speak, speak ill of anything to do with the cause of Jesus Christ. We may have disagreements among the brethren, but don't take it out, okay? The preparation of the gospel of peace. This is why we are friendly with all the pastors in this town. We may not agree with everybody, but we are friendly and kind to them. Why? You must be kind. Why? Because many of them do preach the gospel. Some might be confused, but my friend, look... Caring about the gospel means you love people, and that includes loving everybody. Loving everybody, even people we may not doctrinally completely agree with, at least showing love to them, showing kindness to them. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Fourthly, this morning, we see the power of faith. And we see this last week. We didn't look at this verse. We're going to continue here. He says, above all, in verse 16, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, what does he say we can do? We can quench them. Put them out. You ever had a fiery arrow thrown at you? Shot at you? Archery is a very quiet sport. You go out hunting in the woods, and in a certain time of the year, pray for my daughter, okay? She just had a rough week. And a uh, certain time of the year, but aren't we glad to have kids in church, Amen. All right? We're glad to have kids in church. A church without kids is a dying church, all right? So uh, the power of faith, my friend, you come out and you say, you know what? There might be an arrow. An arrow might hit me. My friend, you trust God. You believe God. And you go out in faith. Every day, dear Christian, your faith is on trial. Will we trust God? And my friend, if you haven't came into the faith yet, it all starts by faith. You step out by faith and you say, I believe God's word is true and I'm going to trust the word of God over my feelings, over what happened in my life. I'm going to trust the word of God over what so-and-so said. Somebody else might have failed. Whatever. I'm going to trust God's word because Jesus never fails. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ who died for me, who was buried, and who rose again the third day. See, that's where it all begins. We put our faith in Christ and then begin to follow the Lord in faith. And then faith by believers. Baptism. The power of faith. Believing God to work all things together for good or stepping back and questioning him. Job had every reason to question God, but he remained true to his faith. Would you still stay in the faith if God took all of your children from you in one day? Would we still stay in the faith? Would we still stay in the faith if God took every possession you have from you in one day. Will we still stay in the faith? Job did. Would you still stay in the faith? And Job, by the way, prayed for his kids every day. He was a prayer warrior. He loved God. He walked with God. And you know what? God instigated the whole fight. Job didn't get mad at God. He didn't curse God. He almost lost his wife because she couldn't believe what was happening. But God, at the end, restored. God, at the end, blessed. My friend, God has a way of taking care of us if we'll trust him by faith. Faith is trust in the invisible. First Peter, verse, uh, 1 Peter 1 and verse 8, it says, Whom having not seen, we love. I challenge you to have faith 
Hold to faith. Don't let go. Faith for deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I'm visibly delivered or not, I will still stick to my faith and my belief that God is love. And there are some things only learned through the fiery furnace of affliction. Your faith will unlock more doors than you or I have ever dreamed of. Faith is essential to being spiritually fit for battle. The power of faith. God ever tell you to do something? You say, man, I can't do that. God says, go witness that. I can't. I've learned to start responding to the Holy Spirit of God a while ago. Because you know what? He keeps, he keeps telling us. God, you know what? If God says go do it and you don't do it, he's going to tell you next time a little bit more embarrassing. He'll be like, go do it. Lord, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You keep saying that, and eventually he'll stop talking. Don't hinder the Holy Spirit of God. The power of faith. Faith is trusting God. And it's amazing the faith that God has built in this room. The faith that God has used to build this place. The faith that God has used over these years in this house of faith. It is to be a house of prayer, and it is to be a house of faith. The power of faith. You realize, my friend, that... You believe in Jesus Christ, you put your trust in him. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only savior. He said all power. How much power? All power is given unto me. Why don't we trust God? Why don't we trust God? You say, well, I don't know if God can do it. I don't know if God can work it out. Why don't we trust God? The power of faith. I was so encouraged by the power of faith seeing others around me this week and the power of faith in their life. The way God was working in other people's lives and the way that others had, God had moved in their hearts throughout the week in the conference. And God said, you know what, Daniel, you need to do something. And you know, whenever God tells you to do something, you do it. And uh, I told my wife, I said, this is, God told me to do something. And uh, so I got writing a note and got doing what I needed to do. And when I finished putting what God told me to put in that note, five minutes later, I was sitting up there talking with a pastor from Maine. My phone rang. It was somebody who I know is going through financial hardship this year. You've never met them. You'll probably never meet them. Pastor Dan, God put it on her heart. You might never meet them. God put it on her heart. We're just glad that you're there in Granville, New York. I started to cry. I slipped out of the meeting. I was like, man. And they told me how much they were going to be sending to help this little church. They've never met you. They haven't seen my wife and I in five years. But God put something on their heart, and I knew their income had gone down this year. God put it on their heart. That's, and I came back to my wife, and I was still wiping my tears. And she said, I said, dear, I said, I just had finished sealing that envelope. Something God put on my heart to do. And then this is what God did for our church. And she said, that's the way God works. I know it's the way God works, my friend. You got to understand, sometimes we don't tap the resources of faith because we don't test the waters. We don't test the waters. God works by faith. See, it's, a, it's, it's faith. You trust and believe God. He's going to do. And you know what? I receive no benefit from that. The kingdom of God received benefit from that. You understand? That causes the church to go forward. And God meets every need. Aren't you thankful God's an amazing God? God is an amazing God. The power of faith. You have not because you ask not. We've been believing God for some things, and God has a way of doing things. Amen? But you've got to step out by faith. Faith is it's always moving forward. The power of faith.
The protection of salvation. The protection of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Verse 17, he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He gives us the protection of salvation. The protection of salvation. You say, I'm so thankful I'm saved. My friend, that protection, that protection is essential. You've got to know that you're saved. Say, how can I know? You put your faith in Jesus Christ, 1 John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. For the five years in my life, when I, three to five years when I was doubting, a lot of doubts whether I was saved or not, I wasn't very fruitful. I was always worried. I hear the preacher preach, and I say, man, I'm not sure if I'm saved. And I come pray again. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Lord, if I didn't mean it last time, I mean it this time. And I was worried, and I was doubting, and I was doubting the way I prayed. I was doubting everything about it. My friend, it came to a place where I said, you know what? Lord, I believe everything you did for me, and I'm just trusting in that. Okay? It's not about my prayer. It's not about the way I prayed, the mood I felt. Uh, it is that I'm trusting the fact that you died on the cross for my sins, and I put all my faith in you. That's the source of salvation, trusting in Christ alone. You died for me, you were buried, you rose again. You know what? That's what I'm trusting in, Lord. And you know what? God began to give me assurance of my salvation. I realized I was actually trusting in works. I was trusting in the prayer I prayed. I was trusting in when I got baptized and all these things. I need to trust in Him alone, the protection of salvation. Too many people today call themselves Christians, but they have no idea if they're saved or not. And uh, I read an article not too long ago, even some... some, uh, some uh, Organizations are trying to proselytize their people to make them think that they're saved. And they're, they, they even tell the people, they say, this is the most commonly asked question. Can somebody who's worshiping the Pope, worshiping an idol, know for sure that they're saved? And they say they can know just as much as anybody else. The Bible says you can know for sure. Not just like anybody else. You can know for sure that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Too many people are trusting in some prayer, trusting in the prayer of a saint, trusting that they grew up in a good home, trusting that they've been in church, my friend. It is by faith in Christ alone. And you can't fight the devil if you're still doubting your salvation. Okay? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world. One of the strongest enemy uh, attacks and arrows of the enemy is doubt. And that is what he will continue to pierce at us with. So you say, how do I know if I'm saved? You put your faith in Jesus alone. He says he'll guard you. He'll protect you. You keep your faith in Jesus alone too, okay, my friend? And uh, you say you put your faith in Christ and you continue to trust. He is the only way, the protection of salvation, not leaning to our own understanding. The word of God is also one of the pieces of armor, the sixth piece of armor, the provision of the word of God. He says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our words don't have much power. It's God's word. It's God's word. You realize that the thing they noted about Jesus is that he was full of the word. You, you notice when Jesus went and preached, it was the word that he quoted from the Old Testament that he knew by heart. I challenge you, if you want to preach, you want to, you want to share, you want to teach, you want to help others, memorize it. Memorize it. Internalize much of it. It will help you. The provision of the word of God. It helps. It is sharp enough to meet every need. Yesterday, we had just arrived in town last uh, Friday night, and yesterday I had some visits to make. And in one of those visits, look, people got burdens, my friend. People got burdens, and, 
and uh, caring about somebody's burdens and being there. You know what? It's the word of God that gave the answers to help that person, okay? Because the body was not exactly rested, okay? You've got to get the word of God in so that it can go out. And, and the provision of the word of God. Our battle is not against people, but against the mindset of the devil that infects people. The mindset of the devil. You say, I feel like they're an enemy against me. Well, you might feel that because maybe they're listening to the devil, okay? But the, the battle is not the person. The battle is the devil. Just like the maniac of Gadara was a man completely out of control. They chained him up and he could not be controlled. The battle was not with the maniac of Gadara. It was with the demons inside of him. And we are dealing sometimes with demonic oppression. We're dealing with spiritual warfare. And sometimes we're not ready to fight. Why? Because we need the word of God. So fill yourself with the word of God. One of the greatest questions that you will get asked. Most important question, even when we did marriage counseling, right? Most important question. I said, guys, I got a really important question for you. And I'll ask it to any couple that gets married in our church. I'll ask it to them throughout the whole time. How is your devotions? How is your personal time in the word and in prayer? You say, that's a foolish question. By the way, I was meeting with somebody yesterday who's on the brink of divorce. And I told them, I said, friend, that's the most important thing right there. And they said, you know what? They said, you're right. They said, you're right. We both be in the word. It would help us. Yeah, yeah, it would. It's the word of God. You've got to depend upon the word of God. The word of God is the source of dependency, not somebody else's emotions. You've got to depend on the word of God. Man shall not live by uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God's word is sharp enough to meet every need. And see, the more filled we are with the word, the more quicker we'll discern the situation, and we can accurately discern what's going on. Instead of having uh, uh, to reason it out with feelings and emotions, we can go to the solid word and get an accurate and clear answer every time. By the way, Jesus always shot straight, okay? And you can just be a straight shooter. If you know the word of God, in love, tell the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, my friend. But if you care about people, if you love people, you'll keep them from running out in the street and getting ran over by a car. And so if you love people, you'll say, what? Warning sign. Danger, danger, danger. And if you love them, you will tell them when they're running into danger. That is part of love. By the, by the way, the Bible says a parent that loves their child will chasten them be times. A parent that loves a child will correct and direct. Our battle is not against people, but the mindset of the devil. Look, our ministry is to help people quit listening to the devil and to teach them to hear the voice of Jesus saying, come, 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 come. That's your ministry. That's my ministry, to help people hear the voice of God. And by the way, it's a lifelong ministry because don't we wonder, okay? We need the help of God, the provision of the word of God. Now, this is not normally included in the armor of God, but I think it is a piece that is very important to remember, the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Look in verse 18. He said that we're to have the helmet of salvation. He said we're to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. By the way, the Holy Spirit of God is activated by the Word of God. Then he says the power of prayer. He says praying always with... How often does he say we're supposed to pray? He says praying what? How often? All right. Praying how often? Let's say it like, like we mean it. Praying. Man, that's tough, isn't it? We can stop the message right there, right? Go home. We need to pray always. How do we do it? By doing it. Say, how do we, how do we get up and pray? Change your pace. My aunt came in 
this week um, on Monday night. She was supposed to show up Monday afternoon. Her plane flight got canceled twice. She got laid over in Detroit. And she wound up showing up here at almost 2 a.m. It's 1.30 a.m. on Monday night. And we were leaving at 10 o'clock the next morning, which got pushed back to about noon. But my aunt showed up, and first thing she said, she looked out the stars. She says, wow, Daniel, you live in a really beautiful place. I'm like, yes, I do. You ought to come more often, okay? <laughs> Amen. Looking up at all the stars and seeing all the beauty, seeing what God has given us. My friend, would you get out? Would you enjoy it? Would you look up? We get so distracted by being in our houses and seeing the same things. Would you get outside and would you look up at the stars? God made all that. Would you look at the trees as you drive home today? God made all that. Would you look at the flowers? Would you look at the plants? Would you look at what God has given us? And would you call out to the God who made us and made all those things? He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to talk with us. Look, sermons on prayer ought to rebirth an eagerness in the search of a deeper prayer life. But I've found that, you know what, reading a book on prayer, hearing sermons on prayer doesn't help my prayer life if I don't decide to pray. Prayer is my opportunity to develop a relationship with Christ who, having not seen, I love. Prayer is your opportunity to fellowship with God. Wives, how would you like it if you never saw your husband for a couple of months? He never called you, never talked with you. We're married, but we don't talk. That would not go very well, right? Fellowship is very important. In the same way, the power of prayer, that's the way we talk to God, is through prayer, through reading his word, and through prayer. By the way, we'll pray better when we've fellowshiped with him more. Amen? Let us pray in the spirit, with the protection of truth. Often in our prayers, we can start to wander, and we can start to doubt. Would you catch yourself in your prayer? It's happened to me. Don't get mad at yourself. Just catch yourself. Sometimes I'll be praying, and it's like, uh-oh, that was a little bit of doubt. Don't doubt. Lord, if, you, if it pleases you, please do this. Lord, would you please make this be your will? Uh-uh-uh-uh. No, Lord, show me your will, okay? Often we're trying to manipulate the situation. Lord, please, please change so-and-so, do this and do that and work everything out. Lord, this is my plan. Please, please bless it. Please bless my plan. And he says, no, I got a plan over here. Would you follow it? Would you get on board with Jesus? The power of prayer. We ought to fellowship with God. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until it's too late. A lot of people live with regret their entire life because of decisions they made in their youth. Make decisions for Christ right now. Get on the armor of God. Say, I'm going to walk in the truth. What's true? I'm going to, I'm going to have righteousness about me. I'm going to do what is right no matter what other people think about me. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. And we're not wrestling against people. No, no, no. The battle is against the devil. And sometimes the devil, people have been listening to him a little too much. And by the grace of God, we're going to take on the whole armor standing in the truth and standing for Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Let's stand together for prayer. With their heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you take a moment to just ask the Lord to help us today? Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you meet with us right now? We've heard from your word. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I pray that you would prompt the hearts of many in this room. They'd be burdened to pray. They'd be burdened to pray. Friends, this week, what you saw God do in our hearts this last Sunday, there were people that were praying for this church. People that you may never meet. There are people praying for you. There are people praying for me. There are people praying for that God would help us to see souls saved in this community. Would you join them in praying?
Would you join them in praying that God might work? You say God's going to do his work anyways. Yes, he will. But wouldn't it be great to get in on it and get to enjoy? Saying, you know what? I prayed for that and God answered it. Friend, your faith is built because you prayed for something that's absolutely impossible, like a wayward child or like a lost neighbor, and you prayed for them, and then God worked. Prayer is believing, and prayer and faith sees the impossible. 